Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. So glad that you're able to join us today for our services. Uh, this weekend, we're having our Thanksgiving message because Thanksgiving comes later in this week. And I hope that you'll, this week, really, really get into what we talk about today as we go through the, through the week. As we, before we begin, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we ask as we open your word and look today at Psalm 107, that you'll teach us what you'd have us know, that we might be able to truly engage in giving thanks while we wait. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's message is titled, While We Wait, We Give Thanks. Appropriate as we approach our National Day of Thanksgiving. I probably added to my wife's uh, to B's concerns about running out of gas when on one of our very early dates in college, a progressive party as we had made our way, we're making our way from one house to the next, I ran out of gas. We were stuck. To make matters worse, it was pouring down rain. I was embarrassed. Vicki less than pleased. I don't think it would have gone over well if I had turned to her and shared the sentiment of today's title. Uh, hey, while we wait, let's give thanks. You, you feel that lump, that you have that, you have that persistent cough, or maybe the same pain every time you eat, so you go to your doctor. Doctor sends you for tests, and on, on a Tuesday afternoon before Thanksgiving, no chance you'll know the results until Monday or Tuesday after Thanksgiving. You, you don't want to hear, while we wait, give thanks. Application has been... Uh, made to college, you, you've got your acceptance letter, you're excited to be a, a student at the college, now you filed for a grant or a loan to enable you to enroll. And you discover that by some fluke, you missed some deadline. There are funds that you qualify to receive, but they won't be available until second semester. While you wait, are you really going to give thanks? In our current waiting for the dominance of coronavirus to be in the rearview mirror, in our continued waiting for more racially, racial justice in our world, on our globe where so many are suffering from dislocation from their homes or starvation or grinding poverty, while we are waiting for it to all end, how do we simultaneously give thanks? Well, Psalm 107 is one of the most wonderfully crafted pieces of literature in all of Scripture, and it holds its own with the best outside of Scripture as well. But its true beauty is not in its careful and skillful composition. Its true beauty is in what it says and how it speaks to how we give thanks while we wait. The opening lines of the psalm are, are the theme that will, uh, they'll be called for throughout and repeated throughout the whole psalm. Demonstrates that God's actions, who God is and what he does for his children, is reason to give thanks. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. God is good. He is excellent, appropriate, and valuable. By contrast, he's not anything that isn't good. 
Not to belabor the word, do you realize how good that is? The false gods, other gods who are the the god deities created by man and worshipped by many, all had a good and a bad side. Sometimes some of that thinking has colored our perception of the true God, and we've portrayed him or believed in him as being both good and bad. The, the only reason we might get pulled there is from a misunderstanding, like, like when a young child who wants their own way to their own detriment needs to be denied their wish. The loving thing for the parent to do is to deny them. And for some short or long period of time, the child may imagine in their immature thinking that the parent is being bad to them when, in fact, they are loving them perfectly. Our God is good all the time, and all that he does is good. His love endures forever. Of course, of course it does. I mean, God has defined himself as love. God is love. And then through the Apostle Paul, that love is described and defined in 1 Corinthians 13. And true, real, God-like love never fails. It endures through all circumstances. Regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of hard times, difficult circumstances, or glorious days without a care in the world, on high days or low days, we can give thanks. Maybe not for the day itself. We can give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. The rest of the psalm speaks of four groups who found themselves in a bad place. The first group starts in verse 4. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the Message Bible. Some of you wandered for years in the desert looking but not finding a good place to live. Half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Not a great place to be. Not the kind of waiting we would consider to be pleasant. But here is the blessing of difficult times. We end up in tough times doing what they did in their tough times. Verse 6 says, Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. When we're fenced in with no way out, when the bank account is empty but the bills aren't paid, when the tests come back revealing a problem that isn't humanly fixable, when a relationship looks damaged beyond our ability to have it be repaired, those and larger and smaller crisis points put us in a desperate condition and we cry out to God. Here's what the psalmist says then happens. He got you out on the nick of time. He put your feet on on wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great draughts of water down parched throats. The starved and hungry got plenty to eat. The second group were locked in a dark cell in this psalm, cruelly confined behind bars, not a soul in sight to help. Then it says, you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark cell, broke open the the jail and led you out. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. So again, thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. The third group, the next group in verse 17, some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life. 
your bodies are feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food. So you're so miserable, you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Finally, the fourth group set sail in some big ships. They're out at sea. They says, out at sea, you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. With a word, he called up the wind, an ocean storm, towering waves. You shot high in the sky, and then you, you, the bottom dropped out, and your hearts were, were you know, tucked were in your throats. You, you, were, you were spun like a top, and you reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. Then again, you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper, put a muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died down and he led you safely back to harbor. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. I'm sure that you see the pattern. It has a familiar ring with our lives. Trouble trouble comes, uh, times of waiting, not knowing what if any future awaits us. And in desperation, we come to a moment of desperation and we cry out to the Lord who gets his child out of trouble in the nick of time. God's not encouraging Pollyannish thinking. It may have a ring of authenticity, Pollyannamite, that with all that, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose, the eternal perspective. But we know that some die in the desert. We know that some get beheaded in prison. We know some sick people don't make it. We know some ships never reach port. While we wait, even when things don't work the way we like, even when we give thanks to the Lord because we, we know he is good, and that even when we don't understand, we trust that his love will prevail, his love endures forever. And listen, our lives are richer when they are filled with gratitude. Our natural bent as humans seems to be a giftedness at noticing all the troubles of our world, all the bad stuff, all the broken things that need to be fixed. And so we, we're pulled toward whining and complaining about all that isn't right instead of being filled with gratitude for all that is good and for our God whose love endures forever. It's really sad because we know from good research today that gratitude, being grateful, can center us in the now. It it allows us to celebrate the the present moment. Sure, good and bad things have happened before this moment, and surely good and bad things will follow this moment. But when we are thankful and express gratitude, we can be present in the moment. The research also shows that gratitude blocks and overrides toxic emotions. Gratitude, just having a heart of gratitude, counters things like envy and resentment, regret and depression. In a world filled with stress, we now know that gratitude increases stress resistance. And a thankful heart, a heart of gratitude, strengthens our social ties and it ups our sense of self-worth. 
Knowing this, it makes sense that long ago the psalmist would invite us to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. One day, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, traveling along the border just between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, a socially distanced distance, and called out a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he said back to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. That's what scripture says. As they went, they were cleansed. They were lepers. They were outcasts. They couldn't just go and do as they liked. So when Jesus said, go, they went. Imagine that they're walking along maybe an hour or so later, and Jim looks over at Bob, whose leprosy had already resulted in the loss of some fingers. And Jim does a double take, you know, looks at Bob's hands swinging by his side, and he, he sees that, that it's all new, great skin, fingers are intact, better than new. Can you imagine as they inspected each other and shouted and screamed with joy, nine of the lepers, you know, hurried on to find the priest. And one, one turned around and to head back to Jesus. When he found Jesus, he threw himself at his feet and thanked him. And Jesus said, we're, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this Samaritan foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And his wellness was enlarged. He was present with Jesus in the moment of gratitude. His gratitude was so great that there was no room for wandering thoughts. He, he was here with Jesus, bubbling over with gratitude. There was no space for envy or resentment, regret or depression. As gratitude spilled out of his heart, he felt ready to take on anything. And while all 10 were healed, he felt a closer tie to Jesus, and he felt better about himself as a cleansed man. I wonder if part of the gratitude of this one foreigner was his clarity on not having any expectations or sense of entitlement. He knew he was in a mess. He knew he was a foreigner, knew that no respecting Jew would give him the time of day, no less heal him. And so when the reality that God got him out of his leprosy in the nick of time, the only proper response was to thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to him, one of God's children. There are three primary reasons that we might fail at gratitude. The first is is any sense of pride. You know, we we like to imagine that we are all self-made people and that any modicum of success that we have is ours. We earned it. Success in this day-to-day world or, or in our spiritual lives even, we think we've achieved it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians a verse that a friend of mine used at his ordination service years ago to remind himself and the others present that who he was, what he had accomplished so far, and his very readiness for ordination that day was all a gift. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? If we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, if we give ourselves credit for achieving on our own all that we have simply received as a gift, it removes all motivation for gratitude. 
When we recognize that we've received it, then we can say thank you. The second blocker of gratitude is a sense of dissatisfaction, a hunger for more, that lack of contentment for what we already have. 1 Timothy 6, 7, and 8 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. I remember when comparisons were made with something others had that that we didn't have in our family, our kids, and and something we wanted more, uh, more than what we already had. I would sing the little song to the kids. Oh, be thankful for the good things that you've got. Oh, be thankful for the good things that you've got. For the good things that you've got are for many just a dream. So be thankful for the good things that you've got. I'm not sure they always appreciated it, but it was a, it's a good sentiment. If we haven't learned to be content in the good things or bad, in the times of plenty or want, it will be really hard to be truly filled with gratitude. The third inhibitor of gratitude is simply carelessness or forgetfulness. We know that expressing gratitude seems to enlarge our heart of gratitude. And this is probably why Paul was inspired to write, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances is pretty inclusive. And it should mean that giving thanks, expressing gratitude, should be woven into all of our daily life not reserved for one week or one day a year. And here's the clincher for followers of Jesus. Jesus has come to this earth, retraced the steps where Adam fell. Our genealogical heritage through Adam is a death sentence. But Jesus came, and as the second Adam, he lived a sinless life. In his life and death and resurrection, he reconciled all the fallen world, everything in heaven and on earth, to the Father. He he now brings us, not as servants, but as friends, as adopted brothers and sisters, right into the throne room of the Holy Trinity, and we're accepted as absolutely perfect in God's sight because we are in Christ. And all we can say is thank you. We give you thanks for your love endures forever. You got us out of this mess in the nick of time. This earth is not our home. We're just passing through. Heaven is our home. Eternity is ours. And for this amazing gift, we simply, humbly, with full satisfaction, careful to honor that gift, we give thanks. So while we wait, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for us. And as you live in a state of constant thanksgiving, wait for God to get you out of your waiting just in the nick of time. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. 
we discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.